I want you to know I struggled with uh, the title. You know, this is the third sermon, and there'll be another to follow from a festival that is mentioned in the Bible. We said it's one of the three. We mentioned that. Had to go over that last week in the Old Testament in Leviticus. Uh, it was actually Deuteronomy, wasn't it? Deuteronomy. Yeah, in, in any event, it's Deuteronomy. But uh, it's mentioned that you would celebrate these various feasts, and everyone would come into town. And uh, the first week we talked about in sync that Jesus' brothers had told him he needed to go to Jerusalem. And there they were waiting to kill him, but they suggested he go anyway. And he said, basically, hey, guys, you're not in step with me. You're not in sync with God's timing. It's not my time right now. And then last week we did see that he eventually found his way to Jerusalem, even though the, the feast, which is a seven-day festival that had one extension day, so it lasted about eight days, and he finds his way there, and he goes to the temple as it was his, his custom and as it was the custom of the day that you might have visiting rabbis in to speak. And there uh, he basically schools uh, the uh, high priests and the Jewish leaders of the day and, and explains about who he is and, and how by doing God's will they would truly understand him better. And today, uh, the section, I had uh, different thoughts about how I could go with the sermon and and you never want to steer it your way. You want to steer it God's way. And what is God speaking to you? And sometimes, as I do, I will look in on the Internet and say, hey, what's another title that some pastor has used? And one popped up, Conspiracy Theories. And I thought, oh, man, I'm not going to go that direction. Some of you would uh, never leave with all the conspiracy theories that we might be able to list. But um, one guy, uh, his title, and nothing from his sermon other than his title uh, did I read any further? Because as soon as I saw it, my mind goes off in another direction, and you'll see it in just a second. But uh, his title was Return to Sender. How many in here don't know of Elvis? Raise your hand if you've never heard of Elvis. Very good. So in 1962, this song topped the charts first in England and then in the United States. And catch some of these words. Got you? Return to sender. Return to sender. I gave a letter to the postman. He put it in his sack. Bright and early next morning, he brought my letter she wrote a bullet. Return the sender. Address unknown. No such number. No such song. We had a quarrel. A lover's back. All right, I'm sorry, but my letter keeps coming back. Okay, you can let it go. I understand this is like one of the top karaoke songs. Never been to a karaoke bar, although I did buy my sister a karaoke machine once. But I understand this is one of the top ones. Um, and it goes on. It's only about like a two-and-a-half-minute song, so I, I guess I could have let it all play. But I, I don't want to give away one of the lines that I want to use a little bit later in the message. And as I do, I, I, I'm a YouTube uh, person in the sense that I li that's where I listen to my music. I pay for the premium, so you don't have to get the commercials, that kind of thing. 
uh, too tight to buy Pandora or some of the other ones or the ones my Spotify or whatever my kids use, but uh, I, I do pay for that one. Uh, and I seldom look at the comments on YouTube videos, but sometimes, you know, especially if it's a guy, if I'm working on a car and he goes, you know, in the drop down, you'll find where I bought this Amazon part, whatever, whatever. And I drop down and the first comment, well, maybe it was the first one that caught my eye, it said this, I cannot imagine who would reject a letter from Elvis, <laughs> the king. Well, we might say the same thing today. I cannot imagine someone who would reject my king, the Lord of Lords. Who would reject the incarnate word of God? Who would reject my Jesus, the Christ? So as we come back to Jesus in the midst of this festival of the tabernacles, teaching in the temple, the crowds are confused. Some are dismissing him. Some, you'll see as I get ready to read, start believing in him. And the Pharisees, they're so angry, they call out their temple guards and they try to arrest him because they want to kill him. And through it all, they're not able to even lay a hand on him. Jesus says, it's not my time, once again. But soon, he says, those you have rejected, me, you have rejected, who have rejected me, I will return to my sender. So if you have your Bibles, we're in John, the seventh chapter. Once again, like I said, we started in the first chapter, uh, I mean, first verse of chapter seven, with this talking about this seven day, almost eight day festival. And we're going to be in it for at least uh, a month of Sundays, so, or a month of Sunday services. All right, verse 25. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is, speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities, I love that line, have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple, courts, teaching in the temple courts, cried out, don't miss that word, cried out, yes, you know me, and you know where I'm from. Some commentators say it would be better translated, you think you know me, but let me tell you where I'm really from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. All this he's talking about his father. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. Still many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, when the Christ comes, will, will he do more miraculous signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the, Jew the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me? 
And where I am, you cannot come. Let's pray. Lord, as we try to answer those questions, as we try to look with our own baggage at these words, how could they have missed your son? How could they have returned to sender something you sent in love? How could they return the thing they needed most without opening the package? How foolish they must have been. Lord, we too have been equally foolish at times in our lives. Some of us living thinking we don't need you, we don't need your son, or that we have the strength to do it or the knowledge to do it on our own. Father, in this hour, I pray that each one of us would open our hearts to you. We would receive the love, the grace, the forgiveness of knowing the Son, and the zeal to take that letter of love to anyone we encounter. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, having four children and watching the different uh, in, in multiple school systems, and, there's, and I know I talked last week, I have lots of teachers. I believe when I was in school, we t were taught how to fill out a letter. Is that the case? I mean, do, do, your, do kids still get that now, or did mine just fall asleep in that class? Because I have a letter that has a picture of one that was returned to sender. There are typically three parts on the front of a letter that I am familiar with. Not that I've ever worked for the post office. I did work for UPS and seminary, and that was an experience all of itself. But you need to have in the upper left-hand corner a return address. If you notice, that person doesn't have one, which I think is so ironic. <laughs> the yellow tag on the bottom says return to sender, but there's no place to return it to because they didn't put their return address. Then there is the address, the mailing address. That's Rick and Lynn is that Robinson? Yeah, okay. Um, and I don't know them. And if they're in here, please stand up. Well, there's a letter for you somewhere. Um, the recipient. So return address, the, the intended receiver, the recipient. And then the thing on the upper right is the postage stamp, correct? So let's use those three parts of a mailing envelope or a, of a letter as our headers as we look through this passage together. Let's begin with return address. As I said, the first thing I noticed on that one was there was no return address, but I've mailed letters throughout my life, sometimes without putting the return address on them. Anybody else in here guilty of doing that? Mm -hmm. It's because you just knew your handwriting was so good, or you knew that that address was so, it was confirmed. That's where they lived yesterday. That's where they live today. And I know I don't have to put a return address on there. But what would happen if they didn't live there? Or, or perhaps you had made it like my mother will often do, as she did, because I've moved so many times. She would send it to the right address, the right street address, but it'd be the wrong Air Force Base or the wrong city because she knew she needed to write, you know, whatever. I, my kids are looking at me, 100 East Barksdale, at Barksdale Air Force Base or 
like, hang on, I didn't plan on doing this, and I can't do it any further. 88-something Candlewood in Edwards Air Force Base, or PSC-41, or PSC-2, or APOAE, or AP, all these different things. And so I can get confused, so you can see how somebody can get confused. But you want to put your return address on something. And as Jesus is speaking, some of these listening to him realize that he is the one the religious leaders are trying to kill. And as he's speaking, he is doing so with such authority, such understanding of God's word, with such a presence that they truly think and ask this poignant question in verse 26. Here he is speaking publicly, and they're not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? Perhaps they had. They were afraid of losing their position, these religious leaders of the day. Afraid to lose their power, their wealth, and they had to silence them, him in their minds. Then the, the debate goes on. Well, if he really is the one, and, and even that's why they're trying to kill him or they don't like it, as you can see in this, they go on to resolve their own dilemma with their own wisdom. And they say in that verse, we know, verse 27, but we know where this man is from, and when their Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Many commentators suggest that there was a popular legend that the Messiah would appear out of nowhere. And some were clinging to that, leg that legend, or that hearsay, if you would. But how many times when we rely on our own wisdom, when we forget God's holy word, we get ourselves into dangerous situations. Are there any prophecies in the Old Testament saying where the Savior will come from? Ed, you've been studying this week, yes. There's at least one that I think I put on a slide for you. Read this one right there. Micah 5.2, but you, Bethlehem, though you're small, among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one for me, one who will be ruler over Israel. And then again, when you read Jesus' birth account in Matthew, that is the passage just quoted again. So there is this connection with the Old Testament prophecy. There are others, but they talk about him being a descendant of David. They talk about him being a Nazarite. They talk about him being from Bethlehem. And now these who have heard him, who know some of his story, are still about to reject him and send him back to the sender, if you will. Have you ever gotten someone a birthday present, a uh, Christmas present, an anniversary present that you put time into? I'm not talking about the ones I buy. You know, like my, one of my sons, I'll just keep it generic, one of my son's birthdays was yesterday. And I'm talking to another son, and I said, I don't think I've bought anything yet. So, Amazon, here we come. There you go. Got a present coming. Oh, can't get it in time. Well, I'll print out a picture of the present and put that in the, car, the envelope. So, that's, I mean, that's some real love and tenderness, right? Yeah. But, I mean, you've really, let's say you made something. Let's say you shopped every, I mean, back when, I don't know, Cabbage Patch or some of them things like that that were, you know, nobody could get a hold of. Let's say you waited in line for hours to get this gift, and you give this gift to your loved one. 
And you just know they're going to be so excited about it. And some time goes by and you find out that they took that gift back. They exchanged it for something else. Maybe they had another. Yours was just a duplicate. Or perhaps they needed the money for something else and they just cashed out yours and spent it on something else. That's exactly how God must feel. The pain that you're feeling or you have felt when that happens to you because he sent Jesus for us. And if you reject him and say, return to sender, what? Why? How come all those things must be going on in the Father's head? You add your return address to your bills, typically. And I know most of you these days pay your bills online. Anybody still write out checks and pay your bills? Yeah, some of you do. Yeah. Anybody under 30 that writes checks and pays their bills? <laughs> Anybody under 30 got a check book? Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. So sometimes my uh, <coughs> illustrations are dated, but uh, they're, they're relevant to me because I just thought of them this week. So, um, But you put your return address on something that's important, right? I mean, I'm wearing a watch that my father got me from graduating uh, from school. And one time I had to mail it to the jeweler to have it worked on. Actually, I think this son took one time to the jeweler here. We were in Okinawa. And then they mailed it back to me. You bet you they better have the return address on it because no matter the value of the watch as in a watch store, the, the emotional value, the sentimental value to me was priceless. So I wanted to make sure the return address was there in case it didn't make it. Think about this. Well, let me just tell you this story, and you go, well, maybe he can pull it all together. Maybe he can, maybe he can. Um, while I was in Korea, and uh, Amun, I, I know uh, you and Roger spent lots of years in Korea. Uh, the time I was there, I bought more blankets. Everybody I knew, I got a blanket for. Tailor-made, I mean, you could get handmade. You, basically, some of the craftsmen in Korea, if you could show them a picture of it, they would make it. Uh, jackets, you know. Some of my kids have still Letterman jackets, if you will, from various sports teams they had, your name signed on it, everything personalized. And, of course, everybody bought <coughs> watches. Some were, uh, as they would say, knockoff. Some were made, obviously, without the trademark permissions. Uh, I bought a lot of purses that way, too, mailed them back. And if you mailed them back and they got opened, uh, you probably would have to pay customs. So on one particular time, and I'm getting ready to leave Korea, I bought a bunch of purses, and I don't know if they were whose name brand was on them, but they obviously were trademark infringements, which uh, if you want to come take me and arrest me, go ahead. Um, me and like 70,000 other GIs that were there. Uh, but in any event, I, I sent it back to my hometown of Illinois where my mom and dad get their mail at a P.O. box or did get their mail at a P.O. box. You had to go in the post office and you got your mail and if there was a yellow slip in there, you took it up to the front. I know some of you that are young are going, what the heck, man? I've never heard about stuff like that. There are post offices. There's little buildings in every town <laughs> and they sell stamps. And I know some of you go, stamps? What's that? I know, he's talking a foreign language. It must be Bible talk. No, it, 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 you take that little yellow card out and you give it to the clerk and the clerk or oh, it's got, you know, box 355 on it, which was my mom and dad's address, or P.O. box. And he comes back with a box, and it's been open. Now, my dad just happened to be the one. My dad never got the mail. I don't know why he was the one, because he's the one who told the story. 
He said uh, the box had been opened, and there was a guy that my dad didn't like at the post office. You know, small towns, everybody's got attitude to it. None of you have ever been like that, I, I know. But this guy says, ha, 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 Mr. Perry, look, and he's kind of a heavy set man. Mr. Perry, uh, looks like you're going to have to pay some customs on that uh, there bag <laughs> or box. My dad said, no, just send it back. <laughs> he said, what? He goes, return address, return to sender. My boys are going to send it, send it back to him. He can pay for it back there if they want to charge him when it comes back to Korea. So taped it up, sent it back. I go from Korea to England. I made a little quick stop back in Illinois, but, you know, load up Brenda and Tull at the time, the oldest boy. We take off for England, and that box goes to Korea. I'm gone. Where do they take it? Back to the last sad dress they knew successfully made it. So it came back to P.O. Box 355 with nothing other than, here, Mr. Perry, here's the box. And the same guy gave it to my mother, and it was never uh, opened again. I mean, never opened by the post office. So uh, why did I tell you that story? The Lord will continue to come after you. And he knows the right mailing address for you. And that's the next point today as we look at this passage. Mailing address. Look with me, please, at uh, verses 28 and 29. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, You know me, and you know where I'm from. As I said, he could have been saying, You think you know me? I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. The one who sent him, his Father in heaven, they start to understand. And it says that some in the crowd start to believe him. And as they are talking about this, the Pharisees, the, the chief priests, they're hearing this, and they get together to go pursue him. So, as we're looking at the mailing address, I want you to think about it this way. Do you ever get excited? And I know I'm, I'm talking old school. With, how many of you still have a mailbox? You guys, and I'm not going to look at your parents. You guys got a mailbox at your house? Do you get it in a cluster down the street somewhere? Mine is a mile, mile away from my house. That, our neighborhood, yeah, when I was still active duty, I would run to the mailbox to prove I could do the mile-and-a-half run once a year that you had to do that. So if I could run a mile, I figured I, I could choke for the last half mile. But when you get the mail out of the box, you guys do it or the parents do it? You, you, get, you get the honor? Okay, do you ever open anything before you get to the house? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. How many of you are the same? So if a young person can do that, I know some of you old people, you think you're patient. You aren't either. In my neighborhood, they park right there, and I see old people in there just like me. They're opening their mail in the car. Get out of the parking place. Take it home and look at it. <laughs> so I get mine, and I get in the car, and I got that mile drive. And next thing I know, I've opened everything that I got before I get to the house and try not to hit the people walking their dogs or run off the road. Because we want to know that someone sent us some love. We want to know, unless it's a bill, and man, you, those fall underneath the seat. We love to get letters. We love to get packages. And I know we live in a day of messenger, you know, emails, texting, uh, unlimited minutes on your cell phone. How, do you How many of you remember when you used to only get like 50 minutes a month? Yeah. Hello, goodbye, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> but to know that someone took the time to write your name on a letter write a card to you and send it to you has to mean something even in this day of 2022. Well, I want you to know 
God thinks enough of you to send his son, the word of God, the word which became flesh, to communicate to you his love and the forgiveness you can receive, the salvation, the redemption that comes from knowing the Son. That's the gospel message. The good news has your name on it in the place of the mailing address. Jesus says in verse 33, I am with you for only a short time, and then I go to see the one who sent me. He's foretelling how he will return to the sender. He will return to God, and only by faith in him will we be able to abide with him in glory. Those listening misunderstood. They thought, well, he must be going to move somewhere else in the diaspora. That's how the Jews were living outside of Judea, outside of the promised land. Surely he's going to live amongst the Jews that are in Gentile territories. And some would love to say of John, he's signaling, he is communicating to us already that the gospel is going to go beyond just the chosen ones of Israel. And they, and I reread this verse over and over this week. 35, the Jews say to, to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Where, does he, where will he go that our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? Well, it's like they're repeating Psalm 139. You know Psalm 139? David talks about, where can I go that you are not there, Lord? Whether I go to the depths of Sheol, if I go to the depths of hell, you know, the worst time of my life, or the best times of my life, you're there. God knows your address. He knows your forwarding address. He knows where you'll be today, tomorrow, and forever. If you receive his son Jesus, you will be in fellowship and in harmony with him. I read, as, you know, once you start looking up stuff about mailing and trying to find a good sermon illustration or whatever that might... I missed this one. It was a little hard for me to believe until I, I saw it. I typically, if it, it was not a preacher story, I was just doing things on return and uh, mailing addresses. There was a lady in Massachusetts, no, Michigan, I knew it was the M word. Uh, she re- received a postcard in her mail in 2020, so two years ago, had a one cent postage stamp on it. And she said, when I got the postcard, I thought, hmm, who mails postcards anymore? How funny we've gone. You want to mail letters, we don't ever mail postcards hardly. What's it cost to mail a postcard these days? This one was mailed in 1920, and it came in her mail. This is no attack on the U.S. Postal Service, but it did take 100 years for it to show up at her house. And she read it. I mean, you can read it. If you want to Google it, you can look at it on the Internet. The letter is really quite funny. It's a, it's a, a postcard for Halloween, and they're talking about she's, she's just, whoever wrote it has just concluded, like, studying their history, and Uncle So-and-so is getting his pants fixed. I thought, my goodness, I didn't know that was noteworthy material. But they eventually found, and it was the right address, but the people had long since gone. You and I are the intended recipients of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And no matter where you go, he will find you. And no matter where you go, he is willing to receive you. But most of the people and the religious leaders who heard Jesus were confused. Uh, Their offered gift to them was perhaps soon to be returned to sender. And here we go on more my saga of mail. You know, once I start thinking mail, I can't stop. Brenda uh, had her ATM or debit card compromised somehow. I don't know. 
charge something and somebody else wants to charge on it and it's not there. So uh, USA promptly sent a new one out on like expedited service. So it came FedEx or whatever it was. But the FedEx guy left it under a rock. Those of you who've been to my house, I have about a 140 foot long driveway, left it down underneath a tree with a rock on top of it. And I got mad. I work for UPS, as I said. I never worked for the post office. My goodness, man, if you can't turn around on my long driveway, we'll run up there to the front door because that's dangerous. Not that there's any money left in her account because it's usually gone, right? Both of ours. If it was a credit card, it would have been really dangerous because then you would have had some li liability there. But who would imagine leaving a box out this day of porch pirates if something in it that you wanted? You, if, if, if the doorbell rings, you're running there just like my crazy dog barking. You're there going to get the box as soon as it comes, right? Amen. So why would you leave the Savior down by the road somewhere on the front step for someone to say, you don't need that? Don't leave the Savior by the wayside. And the last thing we'll look at is postage. That's the one thing you need to mail a letter, a stamp. Yes, you are getting ahead, but thank you for the participation. One of the comments underneath the Elvis video was, if you only had a letter from Elvis now, how much would that letter be worth? Yeah, I did not look that up. But I do use forever stamps. Thank you. They've been out for 15 years. I think the first ones were in the neighborhood of the 40, 42 cents. So even if you bought one 15 years ago, you can put it on a letter now because whatever you paid for it then, it's forever the same uh, for you in mailing. And I just saw a news report this week. It's funny, you know, if anytime you do something, everything is like a sore thumb. If you have it, you will always bump it. If you get an idea for a sermon text, you're always seeing things that could apply. I know as a nation we're getting ready to raise one more time our postage rates. And that means that all the young people will never mail letters again. But that great thing about the gospel is that the price has been paid forever. The ransom for sin, your sin, no matter what sin, has been paid in full. Jesus' forgiveness and sacrifice, as the song said, paid it all. All we must do is open his love letter, accept him, believe in him, and confess our sins. Finally, I share a last post office story. Did research this one to make sure it is true. Pete Wynn is a journalist uh, and rep an investigative reporter. He now writes for a Christian news source, but he's done both... Uh, religious and non-religious uh, events, uh, world events. But he wrote a few years ago that he was at the post office in the last few days prior to Christmas. And he was mailing stuff out. This is probably pre-Amazon days, or <laughs> at least he chose to go do that, as I wouldn't have. <clears throat> but as he was being helped by a very overworked postal clerk, and she had finished her last thing, put the last stamp on the last box, she says, kind of like, uh, you know, Chick-fil-A, my pleasure. She says, is there anything else I can do for you? And tongue-in-cheek, he says, yes, you could pay for Christmas. And he said, without missing a beat, she looked at him and she said, he already did. He said, I stared at my shoes, thought, mm, wow, hmm, 
I uh, murmured something profound in response and said, he certainly did. And I left. You know, Elvis's song that we won't play again, even though some of you would like to get up and start shaking right now, many of the older women would be swooning. Many of the younger women would be swooning if they saw the young Elvis, okay? Okay. But he says in that song, it's like the last chorus, I am going to take that letter and place it in her hand myself. You know, it, it's a story of a rejected love. You know, he's writing a, a girlfriend or someone that he thought he had a relationship with, and she's telling him the door is shut. And now in that last verse of that song, I am going to take the letter and put it in her hand. And if it comes back the next day, then I'll understand. God has placed you here today and has placed Jesus in your hands this morning. Do not return to sender without accepting his embrace. Stand with me, please, we pray. Our Father, as we come now to a time of invitation in this service, if there's someone here who is struggling with feeling like they have done enough or they're not good enough, Lord, you have extended Jesus to us, his forgiveness, his grace, the redemption of the gospel, despite what we've done. In fact, you did it knowing what we've done and what we will do. So if there's someone in this moment right now as we get ready to sing this song together that needs to say, Jesus, forgive me. I open my arms to embrace you. Come in, let me feel, feel the love that knowing the Father brings to my heart. Let us proclaim, Lord. Let, let each one of us here be your mailman to take the love of Jesus into the world in which we live. Whatever decision they might have, Lord, we have people here who would be at the front steps ready to pray. Maybe someone just wants to come here and pray. Let this time of worship glorify you and your son. And let us respond to the love of Jesus. This I pray in his name. Amen.